basically it's the idea of if you set a deadline for anything, it can be brushing your teeth, but set a deadline and say, I'm doing this in this order. And you have this invisible ax head hanging over you until you get that task done. Welcome to Better Together with Kosti Epifonsev, a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success, challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Kosti Epifonsev. Hey, y'all, this is Costa, and today I'm here with my guest, Zach Buckner, owner of the District Creative and Director of Marketing and Public Relations for Ford Lincoln of Cookville. We're talking about what your work-life balance is missing, and I know so many people, including myself, will benefit from this conversation. Now, I can't think of anyone better equipped to speak on this because not only do you have five children ranging in the age from 15 to 7, but you've also owned three businesses and built a successful career in corporate marketing and brand management all in the last 15 years. Now, Zach, I don't know if you have an extra day of the week none of us know about, (laughs) but if you could send that information along after the show, man, that that would be great. I'll do it for a fee. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So you're one of those people who seem to be everywhere at once. Can you tell us more about your professional journey up to this point? Sure. So a lot of people tell me that, but I don't feel like that at all. I don't feel like I have some kind of magical ability to, to do time management well. I've learned a lot about what not to do. Okay. Um, learned from my mistakes and definitely learned to get better. I just turned 37. And so I'm certainly still figuring a lot of stuff out with time management. I just feel like every time I go somewhere, you're there talking to somebody. But that means you're there too. True. So, I mean, I don't feel like I do something that abnormal from most people, but I've been fortunate enough to have really smart people surrounding me, great friends who have started businesses and great parents uh, who raised me to manage my time well and to, you know, always be climbing a mountain, to always be achieving something. My dad was an entrepreneur. So I definitely think it was was my upbringing and I'm fortunate to have a good education too from Tennessee Tech and then from Luther Rice. Uh, And so I think it's a combination of things, mainly though. I would say it's the people in my life and the relationships in my life that have gotten me to this point for sure. It's nothing that I did alone. So you live life with a sense of urgency. Yeah, I think you have to. I don't know. I've always wondered how you could feel fulfilled without having a sense of urgency or drive. I've never really understood. It's hard for me to understand people who don't have drive. I know. Same. So you have five kids. Mm. Bella, who's 15. Bessie K is 14. Betty, 12. Zane is 10. Betty. Benny is seven. Mm-hmm. So it's basically another full-time job, right? How do you keep your family life in order with everything you've got going on? Well, first of all, let me just say, I don't do any of that by myself either. And, and that's certainly an area where I've not done the best always. It's been something I've had to learn to modify and do better at. Um, so certainly Bethany has been a huge help in that regard. I mean, she's a, she's an incredible mom, loves those kiddos and does a great job making sure they're well taken care of. So, you know, again, it's about teammates and you know who's helping you out. You know, you, none of that stuff happens on an island. But for me, managing my relationship with my kids or, or making sure I'm intentional is about being spur of the moment in some ways, you know, if you have 10 minutes to spend with your kids, go spend 10 10 minutes with them, you know, go throw the ball with them for 10 minutes. If you've got five minutes, it's better than just saying, well, I'll wait until I can spend an 
hour of time with them. It's, it's, Hey, go do it right now. You know, you're in between projects, man, go hang out with your kids, go swimming for an hour, you know, whatever it is, spend time intentionally with them when you can. You know, it seems kids like they lash out and they do it primarily for attention. And all it takes is like five or 10 minutes of your time, you know? Yeah. How hard is it though to find five or 10 minutes? I know it sounds strange, but how, when the day is going a hundred miles an hour, sometimes right. I feel like, gosh, how could I not find 10 minutes just to go and throw the ball with them or jump right. on the trampoline or something like right. that? You know, right. the world is just sometimes crazy. It is. And I think we do box ourselves in and we say, oh, if I can't dedicate long enough, then I might as well not do it. And so, I mean, there's lots of times where I'll just be like, hey, I've, I've got 10 extra minutes on my lunch break. I'm going to run, give them a hug and a kiss real quick and go back to work. It's fine. Like you don't have to go crazy or you don't have to dedicate hours on end at one time, but that stuff is cumulative and you know, it adds up and your kids know you love them and they know you took time out of your day really quickly to come see them. They eventually get old enough to start noticing that, you know, when they're little, they don't really care or notice per se. They do, but they don't know they do, you know, but yeah, I mean, my, my teenage daughters know when, Hey dad, dad was at work. He took 10 seconds to come see me. You know, that, that means a lot to him. Absolutely. So on that note with your kids, how are you raising your children to have a healthy relationship with time management? Mm, I mean, again, that's definitely not something that I'm doing alone. I think that takes uh, an effort from a bunch of different people. It's, you know, their grandparents, me, it's Bethany, it's their friends, the friends that they've chosen. As they get older, they start to choose friends with certain values, right? They start to choose friends that are productive people, or maybe they're not so productive. And, and you know, you, you kind of learn who to associate yourself with. So another thing is we're not super fond of our kids just sitting around forever on their electronics. You know, we'll, we'll do an energy boost every once in a while, be like, hey, Dion, shut your phone off for 10 minutes. Let's time stop staring at the screen, go outside. Just the general go outside. theme I keep hearing. Yeah, just just get out of here. You know, like we don't want to see you inside for a minute or let's go outside together, whatever. Again, it's it's just a constant, like you're kind of cattle prodding at first and then they sort of, it's a culture you're developing, right? I mean, right. successful businesses, what do they do? They, they lead, they establish a culture. It's the same way in a house. It's the same way with your kids. Your kids are going to live in a culture of being driven uh, or they're going to live in a culture of being okay with not getting a whole lot done in a day. Did did you grow up in that culture? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I remember this story uh, and it was from one of Bella's friends, my oldest daughter, one of her friend's moms reached out to Bethany and she had heard that we make our kids do chores. And she was like, this is fascinating to me. <laughs> and she was like, we, we don't do that. How did you ever convince them? It's like, well, they're your children. You are their guardians. <laughs> you know, so, But it's odd anymore. So chores are not really a thing or like tasks. You know, everybody has to pull their weight in some regard. My kids all have jobs at home. They're, they're going to you know, unload the dishwasher or load the dishwasher or clean the kitchen, fold their clothes, whatever it is to help do the laundry. You know, you're responsible for this living room. You're responsible for that room. You know, the kids have kind of like sectors of the house they're responsible for. And so giving them some specific responsibilities, that's important, specific responsibilities. But that kind of came from my upbringing. I certainly had that type of upbringing where we were never given money at my house. You earned an allowance. And the key word there is earn, right? You had to do a task in order to be fulfilled, in order to gain what was coming to you. You don't just, you're not given money. You know, we weren't given gas money for our cars or insurance money or, you know, any of that stuff. So those are all things that we had to go get a job and earn. 
That's the culture I was sort of raised in. And so, yeah, of course, we we pass some of that down to our kids. And we're, we're a whole lot softer on them than my dad was on me, probably. But still, there's still some of that there. So I, I, we're all products of our upbringing. For you sure. Know? For Absolutely. Sure. So to switch topics just briefly, we just went through a pandemic. Life has changed 100 percent. It's like flipped on its head. Right. And the way that we work has changed so emphatically. So many people are working remote. I'm assuming there's a lot of days where you're working remote um, or had in the past. Yeah. How do you balance your family life and your professional life when you're having to do remote work at the house? Sure. So I didn't do a tremendous amount of remote work during the pandemic because I worked with such a small group of people that really we were kind of quarantined anyway. But when I did, again, it was almost just this idea of blocking off time. And one thing, a tool that I don't even remember who taught me to do this or if it was just kind of something I started to do. And But I literally, if you look at my calendar in my phone, I block out almost every part of my day for a couple of reasons. One is it helps me stick to a schedule. Dave Ramsey has this concept called the invisible axe head that he talks about in his book, Entree Leadership. And that was something that really impacted me. So basically it's the idea of if you set a deadline for anything, it can be brushing your teeth, but set a deadline and say, I'm doing this in this order. And you have this invisible axe head hanging over you until you get that task done. And so you just picture this constant like, okay, step by step, you're kind of eating the elephant one bite at a time throughout your day and you're not overwhelmed. You can get a whole lot more done when you write it down and you stick to a plan. Like a to-do list. We're fortunate to have all sorts of apps that we can use. You could use Todoist or, or reminders or notes or your calendar. I mean, there's a billion different things you can use, but just write it down and start with small, stupid stuff. Start with get up and take a shower. Or go pick up... I don't know, trash can liners Absolutely. or something. Go to the mailbox, yeah. whatever. And and there's statistical data that shows when you click off an item off your to-do list, it motivates you and it causes you to be more productive. It's scientifically proven. Have you ever, you know, you, you read Dave Ramsey, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever just came across something that was so profound and helped your life tremendously? And when you talk about it, you're just like, gosh, I can't believe I figured that out on my own. I'm such a genius. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there are certainly, I think I can think back to a few things. There was a time where I stumbled upon through a friend, this thing called the Pareto Principle. Are you familiar with the Pareto? No. Okay. So the a Pareto list and uh, one of your former guests, Justin Grant, and I actually discovered this around the same time. So the Pareto Principle is that you dedicate the top percentage of your time to the most important and most pressing tasks and you get those done first and then you work your way down to the least dedicate the top percentage of your time to 20% of your tasks and then go on down. And there are certain tasks that are, you know, they're, they're high urgency, low importance, or it's high urgency, high importance, and you cross those off first. So that was one of those principles. And I didn't just totally nerd out and, and go hard into it, but I literally got a Pareto notepad out every day for a, a year or two yeah. and mapped out my day every single day on that Pareto list. And man, you talk about just getting stuff done. Um, so, so I don't do that literally now, but it's in me, right? right? That principle is in me and it got ingrained in me and forming good habits that help you manage your time. You kind of don't even realize you did it. Like you said, you're like, Oh, I'm so glad I thought of this, I know, right? <laughs> but it is, it just gets in you and you, and that's sort of a principle I live by now. And it, I think it does allow me to get more done than I would ever have normally gotten done. Not knowing that principle. I think if you're running a business or if you're working for somebody that has a, just a high level of responsibility, mm-hmm. If you don't structure your day, you will miss things. Absolutely. And honestly, I feel like it's not even 
about the execution as much as it is about being present. You know what I mean? I think yes. when you're working for someone or even with someone, it's being present. And the worst thing that could possibly happen is if you forget to attend a meeting oh, or, sure. you know what I mean? Oh, like, it's so embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it just makes you look incompetent. Mm-hmm. So even if you may not be the smartest guy in the room, as long as you're there, you've already done 75% of the job. That's right. That's true. And I think too, I've seen this in the different areas that I've worked in before, but you're so right. Being present is half the battle Uh, and being on time, you know, being punctual. People notice your presence and they notice your punctuality. I think those are two things. We need another P in there. They notice your presence and your punctuality and your, you know, something. Presentation. Power. Yeah, yeah, there you go. (laughs) But no, it's just, but seriously, it's a, it's a big deal to be there, be on time and have your stuff together. Let's say your life is spiraling completely out of control. Just play that scenario out. And you want to regain a sense of control over your time. How do you go about doing that? What's step one? I think the first step is you have to take account of your time. Everybody is given the same amount of hours in the day. We all start with the exact same slate. The calendar rules all of us the same way. So I think the biggest thing is if you don't know where your time is going, it's just like your money. If you don't account and document where your money goes, you're going to be broke. Same thing with time. If you want to be broke with your time, don't account for it. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. That's it. it. I don't remember who said it, but that's exactly right. It's so true. I don't know. My father-in-law taught me that as like the first or second day of working with him. He said, if you want to understand where you're at, you have to have a unit of measure, some type of tool of measure. Because there's so many times you get into a meeting or you get into an action plan and it's just like, how do we know what how much progress we're making? Benchmark. What's your what is your goal? What's the benchmark? Right. So yeah, I think the first step, if your life is spiraling out of control and you get to the end of the day and you're exhausted and you feel like you've accomplished nothing, I would challenge someone the next day to document your day. Do it for a week and then go back and look and say, oh my gosh, I spent 35 minutes on Facebook, you know, before I even got to work or I I was on Instagram for an hour. You know, another great tool on all of our phones is, is screen time. You know, you can look if you've got an iPhone on your screen time and sometimes it will scare you to death when you look down and you go, I spent four hours of my day looking at this device. Advice. And so those are accountability tools. So, so I think if you're spiraling out of control, document your time and then make corrections. So who or what suffer the most at the hands of poor time management and balance? I would just say it's, it's okay to be creative and spontaneous. And it sounds like if you're overly focused on time management that you can't do those things. But that's so not true. That's such a lie. And I think I don't think I know that the more you structure your time, the more creative and spontaneous you can be. Right. Because you've accomplished the things you have to accomplish. You know, I mentioned the Pareto thing earlier and, you know, creative people struggle big time with time management a lot. They really do. They're usually just like, oh, that'll kill my vibe or it's going to kill my creativity. Too boxed in. Yeah. And that's just not true. You know, that a lot of the healthiest horses in the world are within pastures, right? They're within fences that are really long. But, you know, I think if you create that fence around your life, it gives you the freedom to run wherever you want in a safe way. And you know you've gotten your necessities done. So I think creative struggle a lot. I'm going to try to describe this in a way that makes sense. And if I just completely drop the ball, that's okay. When you have a to-do list, like I use my reminder list, for example. me too. So when you have a list, there are certain parts of that list that you know exactly how to respond to. You know, you're you're regimented. So your brain is on. It's done it, you know, a hundred times, especially 
especially if it's on a recurring reminder, um, you know, certain day of the week, certain time, etc. So you know what to expect. Now, when you have free time, that's when I feel like I can absorb the most amount of learning. So when I say, for example, block out or I, I complete my to do list early and I have an extra hour or two, if I want to, I don't know, watch interesting YouTube videos yeah. or read a book about something that I that is just, you know, something outside of my purview. Absolutely. I retain that more than if I just, you know, was spontaneously, you know, saying like, oh, today I'm going to read a book. Today right. I'm going to, you know, go watch TV. Today I'm going to go run 100 miles or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, structure it in. I mean, I write that into your day. And you know, the other thing about that, that is so neat, I'm so glad you pointed that out because that's almost like a reward. You know, if you get the things that you have to get done, you know what those things are. And what I do is you mentioned using reminders on your phone is I put those things at the very top of my list. They're literally at the top of my list. And the things that I would like to do if I get enough time to do them are always at the bottom of the list. And you know what else at the bottom of that list? I always have some stupid goal that I think I'll never accomplish. Like I've got something written in there that's just ridiculous all the time. I mean, it's just, it's just dumb. Like I need to, you know, do this thing within a week or whatever. I mean, there's some stupid thing that I know I'll never accomplish, but it's there in case I have time to work on it or work towards it. Right. So I think literally organizing it from top to bottom, most important to least is super important. Now people work full-time jobs. Some people work multiple jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You've got people that are starting businesses. You've got some people that run businesses. You have five kids. Mm -hmm. How do you be... How, how are you able to be a present parent to your children? Well, I think first of all, again, it's it's taking time and making time when time presents itself at the spur of the moment or when you accomplish a task early and you've got some extra time, you dedicate that time to them. Again, structuring it into your day. If it takes you writing it in your calendar, go sit with my kids for 20 minutes at 5 p.m. Do it. Go be with your kids for 20 minutes. And you know what? When that 20 minutes is up, cool. If you have something to do, go do it. But you've been intentional that way. And that sounds kind of ridiculous. Like, oh, that's so cold to to calendar in your kids. Is it though? It's really not. No. And, and, and how many parents just would let the moment pass instead of being intentional? It's like, hey, I'm, you know what? My calendar says I'm doing this and I'm doing it. Consider this. If you've got a full-time job, you work eight to four. All right. You've already blocked out a major portion of your day. Mm-hmm. If you could put on your reminder list that you are going to take your son to golf lessons at five on a Thursday. Yeah. That means that you've already kind of engaged yourself to work, not work, but to be active from the time of 8 to 5 p.m. That means that if you can do it on a Thursday, you can do it on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Friday, on a weekend, whatever it is. And it gives you a sense of purpose, a sense of accomplishment. So now if you want to take your daughter to gymnastics, you can schedule that at 4.30 on a Wednesday. Yeah. If you don't have any of this stuff written down, especially if you're somebody that, you know, owns their own business, has a little bit more flexibility in their day, or if their schedule changes day by day, for example, if you don't write any of this down, you can't structure your family life right. or your professional life. Right. Absolutely. And you're bound to drop the ball somewhere. Oh, for sure. And one thing that I have found is shared calendars are Ooh, phenomenal. Nice. Calendars that you can share with your spouse or your parents or whoever is involved in your kids' lives that maybe helps do some of the running, right? So sharing calendars where everybody can see it when an event gets added, it gives you a notification. You go, oh, okay, well, you're 
you're taking her to dance while I'm taking him to, you know, football, whatever. Those are so important. And so many of my time management and parenting time management screw ups happened when I didn't put stuff in a calendar or I would put it in my calendar. My wife would put it in her calendar and we'd we'd have a mix up and not communicate. When you do that, you take a lot of the need for having to overly communicate. There's kind of a backup. You still need to talk to each other, but it takes some of the guesswork out and you don't miss some of that stuff. And you don't go, oh, by the way, I forgot I've got a work dinner tonight that day. And your spouse is like, were you planning on telling me? You know, so there's a lot of that stuff that that eliminates too by having a shared calendar. I cannot stress enough if to do that. The other thing I want to say is this. If you have multiple children or if you have multiple jobs or if you, you and your spouse have multiple jobs, that's a common thing where both spouses have multiple jobs or maybe a job and a side hustle, whatever. One of the most important things that you can do to spend time intentionally with each other is be busy at the same time, right? Yeah. So structure your things that you have to do at the same times as each other so that you're both free at the same time. It's really goofy if one of my kids is going to dance at six and then the next thing you know, we've got cheer at seven and we're running all over the place. You know, it'd be, it'd be ideal if you could structure that. No, that's not always doable, but try to be busy at the same time. So if, you, if your spouse has to go to the grocery store, you know, go to the grocery store while you're at work. So that way your slate's clear when you get home. I got to say, why is life so technical? It really, it, it is. I mean, it's, everything's kind of like math a little bit, right? So I've been thinking about this a lot more. When you get to be like 65 and you see the people that are just kind of hanging out, you know, and you think to yourself, like, why aren't they this, you know, they're, they know so much. They have the, all the wisdom in the world, right? Yeah. They should be out there just conquering right now. Yeah. Yeah. But instead they're just, they're just happy. Like big smiles, right? Yeah. And you start to think to yourself, all of the things that we've had to incorporate just to stay productive and achieve our goals. Yeah. And just raise a family. Yeah. I mean, in 2021, by the time I hit 65, bro, I'm going to be exhausted. You're gonna be tough. <laughs> by the time you're 45, you're, you're going to be exhausted. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The pace of life can mess with you. I mean, it can, and it can cause you to get in a funk and depressed and stuff. But again, I think if you structure in joy, like you structure in happiness into your life, you know, what makes you happy? What are your hobbies? Maybe you don't have kids. What makes you happy? Like what brings joy to your life? Structure that in, put it in a calendar if you have to, but make yourself have fun. Do you think that life has always been this busy or do you think we've made it this way? Oh, we've certainly made it this way. You know, obviously things move at a a faster pace now and technology is is clearly a huge part as to why that is. I think life was much more simple back before the modern era and before mechanized everything ever. So I think, you know, before the industrial revolution, people and families did life together because they didn't have a choice but to do life together, right? They had kids had to work in the home. Kids had to pitch in in ways. I mean, that'd be become adults at a very young age. Well, I think it was even more of a family unit back then. It was. It was. And there's so many things vying for your time now. And and it wasn't that way before. So in sub-Saharan Africa, people spend a few hours a day fetching water. Yeah. And the country itself is so, that's like a big focus for them because it cuts into people's productivity. So when they could be, say, for example, learning a new task or producing in a factory or whatever for the national GDP, they're instead fetching water. Yeah, literally a necessity. Right. Now, 200 years ago, that just happened. Yeah. You just did that because you didn't have central plumbing. So is it a blessing or is it a curse? Have we created this, these um, luxuries so that, you know, we may not be doing something 
like rudimentary labor, but we need, you know, a hundred different things just to keep us on track. And our brain keeps firing that by the time you get to 8 p.m. at the end of the day, you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, shut it off. Yeah, somehow I need, I got to go climb under the bed or something. Yeah, like you know, we're be in a vegetative state yeah. of some sort. <laughs> and it's, it's true. I, you know, I think it's like anything where something very good could, could be negative. And then I also am a, a firm believer that things that were originally intended or might be construed as negative can be turned into good. If you if you structure it correctly and if you are intentional for it, I mean, I'll just use a basic example. You know, when the internet came out, right, at large, when Joe Schmo could go out and get an internet dial-up account, yeah, there were a lot of people who were scared to death that this was the end of the world and people's brains are going to become mush and, you know, we're going to be controlled by robots and all this stuff. But then think about the amount of knowledge that's floating out there right now. I mean, I can remember many times now I I'm not, I'm not a mechanic, but gosh, I've done a lot of things mechanics do. You know, I've changed parts of my car I never thought I could change because of YouTube, right? So there are things that make you more productive, but you have to use it in that way. I mean, it's it's using the tools that are presented either to waste your time or to make you more productive and more efficient, which makes you happier. If you're more efficient, you're going to feel more fulfilled, in my opinion, and then you're going to be happier. Your family's going to be happier. There you go. So we always like to end the show on a high note. Zach, who who is one person that makes you better when you're together? Okay, so this is such a tough thing to narrow down. I'm, I'm leaving so many people out by mentioning one. But if I had to narrow it down, I would say it's my friend Amber, Amber Jared. Amber and I have been friends for a long time. And she's one of these people that I just, I look up to in every regard of of life. Her and her husband, Lynn, are two of my closest friends. And man, I just, she crushes it in every regard. She's a great time manager. I have no idea how she gets done, what she gets done, and the amount of time she gets it done in. She's been very successful building a business from scratch. So I look up to that in a huge way. Her morals and goals and values are, are just things that I'm just like, man, you are incredible. You inspire me to be a better person. And I just hope that I can be that same way for somebody else. That She's the type of person that goes, man, I hope I hope I can be that for somebody because she's just stinking awesome. And so. you guys also did a podcast together, we did. right? Yeah, we did Connecting Cookville. This was pre-COVID. You know, COVID kind of messed that whole thing up. But yeah, we were doing a really fun podcast called Connecting Cookville. And I got to know a lot of people on a much deeper level through that podcast. And that was neat, man. We we, we had a good thing going there. And um, that was a cool season to, to do. Now, you are also doing a podcast yeah. with a group. Do you want to plug this that is a in? Theme. Yeah, apparently yeah. this is a theme plug in my in life. We have to do a podcast all the time. But uh, so we, some buddies of mine, actually Lynn Jarrett, Amber's husband, and I and three other guys are doing a podcast called Under Review with Four Guys and a Ginger. And so we're literally just reviewing random things from throughout the Upper Cumberland. We're going to start in the Upper Cumberland and then branch out to the state. But we're going to start with things like wings, pizza, coffee. I mean, local establishments. We're going to put them up against each other and give our honest, you know, unadulterated feedback. Fantastic. Uh, and just have a good time shooting the breeze. Honestly, it's going to be one of those podcasts that you can listen to just to kind of edge out and have and have a good laugh. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafonso. If you enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafonso is a Costa Yepafonso production. Writing and production by Morgan Franklin. Want to find out more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonsive.com. We're better together.